Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Today we continue the sermon series, but today our topic is Lord help our faith in prayer. Lord help our faith in prayer. Just repeat this after me. Lord, help our faith in prayer. Let's personalize it. Lord, help my faith. Yeah, in prayer. Please note that we'll be having a prayer and fasting week. If you can join us, the 23rd to the 27th of this month. I want to just engage the Lord and ask him, Hey, King of Kings, uh, what are you saying? We have so many of your prayer requests already, and we are on our knees. I can't even share some of them, because it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. A lady last week told me, just pray for my home. Hey, Lilia, my home. I, I need God in my home. Pray for my children. A friend of mine this week told me, hey, Pasi, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I need to take my kids back to school. Pray, pray, pray with us. Amen? And then remember also that on the 5th of October, we are participating in the African Children's Day of Prayer. To Michigan and ICC, Mara. And so for the nephews, the kids, those that are in your space, we just take them there for a day of prayer. Imagine that. Kids have a day of prayer. They go in and all they're doing is praying. It's every year. We do it every year, and so I beg you by the masses of God to find time to take our kids in that space. I read a story this week of a teacher who asked a student to list the seven wonders of the world. Actually, last week, Sunday, the first day of the week. Hey, right. Seven wonders of the world. And like you know, the Great Wall of China is there, Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil, the old Machu Picchu city in Peru. Chichen, I'm a chicken. Itza, ruins in Mexico. The Roman Colosseum. Taj Mahal in India. And the old city of Petra in Jordan. Alwambia, vote and list. And so they listed. But I noticed from the corner of our eye, one of the students was not very quick in finishing. She was still doing a list of the seven wonders. And so she goes, hey, what's the problem? Are you done? Do you need help? The kid goes, ah, imagine. I have a longer list. I don't think it's seven. It's more. But this is, for now, this is what I have. And so, the kid begins to read her list. And it goes something like this. My seven honors of the world are one, to see, to hear, to touch, to taste, to feel, to laugh and to laugh. The seven wonders of her world. You can imagine the reaction of the class. To spin drop silence. Mother, the teacher was like, I think we have this thing twisted. Our life today kind of looks something like this. You wake up in the morning, maybe after the fourth alarm. Alarm guys, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and then you quickly check your social media whether or not the responses are there. And then after quickly checking that, you rush into the 
bathroom, instant shower your way to the breakfast that is also quickly made by the hot kettle or the hot pot. Before you're done, if you're on your desk, quickly check through your responses on social media and then kill time maybe with some nothingness of, hey, is anyone talking? As you finish your breakfast, then rush to work. It's just go, go, go. Yani we're doing things on the go. Things are quick, man. We have very quickly become a microwave society. I know that term is not new to any of us. What we need, we need now. I need a big house now. I'm not pointing fingers. I need a big house today. The society, the problem with that is society is really feeding that. If you are keen about how society looks today, it is feeding our need of now, things that we want right now. Yani, you almost as if, so it feels as if you, want, yani, if you could get it yesterday, it would have been better. Look at some of the inventions we have today. Eh? I saw the other day with my wife to show an egg boiler. Egg, egg boiler in the supermarket. Egg, bo- egg boiler, a machine, any a machine that boils eggs. I saw on social media the other day a tomato. That's the pronunciation. Which is here is a wearable robot that can feed you tomatoes on the go. <laughs> what? I wish you had the projector. There is something called a group shaving machine that was invented in the 19th century. Group shaving, guys, in the room. Group shaving, like six, seven guys. There's like a guy up at the end and then he just goes. Group shaving machine. Hey. There is an automatic tip. Here this tip requester. You know tip in the restaurant. So this guy, it's a belt that you wear and it has a hand that is like this over here. So as he goes, obviously at a post one, you notice, oh, tip. Then, hey, come back. An automatic tip requester was invented in 1955. That is tied to the waist. This is a crazy one. There is a chain smoking device that holds at least 20 cigarettes at once. The house of God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking whether I used to. <laughs> And this one I like. I saw it the other day, I was like, oh, if only when I was raising the Zaras and the Ababukush, that's that the pronunciation? For rocking babies to sleep. You've seen the machine. They put the baby and they go, so like, oh, that's a nice one. Our society is feeding everything we need, any, whatever we want that we think we need, the society feeds it. That is where we've gotten to. These inventions are nice, and especially since I also love inventions. I don't think you know this, I'm actually an engineer by profession. And so anything that works, technology, I love. Anything that I can fix, I, I would fix cars using cardboard boxes, using anything that I would find, anything that can help me make something as a kid, I would do it. But the problem with this is that it feeds into our spiritual life and powerfully into our prayer life. It actually informs our psyche 
that we can have everything we want, when we want, and how we want. When you don't have to worry about waking up late because you have the alarm clock, when you don't have to worry about hot water because you have a heater, when you don't have to worry about communicating with anyone because you have a smartphone, our prayer life might actually be affected. And I think it is. Because your mind suddenly just realizes, or oh, after a little while, that I don't really need to do much to get what I need. We need to be careful not to assume that the prayer life is the same. Because prayer life is a whole different ballgame. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, that I read the other day, Richard J. Foster says that it is the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer, he says, is life-creating and life-changing. He goes on to say that to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we'll abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic in our lives. What this tells us is we must then believe that prayer is not just a religious act. It can't be just a pointless thing that we do when we feel we need to do it. Last week we talked about how the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, he went ahead to teach them about God, our Father. That's how he began. Can you imagine them praying without actually believing on God or in God? Imagine that for a second. Our Father was in heaven, but for some reason, you don't even know this God. You have no relationship. And it's at this point I always say one of the greatest ills that can happen in a house of God like this is if you do not know him and yet you're talking about issues like this you're missing out let's find the Lord, let's find him I'm not saying the rest of us have found him to his fullest, no but we began the journey, so if you're there I pray in the name of Jesus that you get to know him get to understand who he is because then prayer will begin to make sense and even the things you're talking about Hebrews 11.6 powerfully confirms this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe, that's the word, that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You must believe he exists. So I'll ask the question again, do you believe that God exists? Through the issues, through whatever you're facing, are you at a place that you can confidently say that I know this God is, is there. I know. I might not even feel him in the situation I'm facing now, but I know he exists. Can you say, without a shadow of doubt, that your prayers have faith in them? This is the fundamental answer behind the question, do you believe God answers prayer? The microwave society, the problem with this society is it constantly attacks this specific thing of faith in prayer. Constantly attacks it because the society is teaching us we can get what we want, when we want, how we want, anytime we want, we can get it. 
The problem with that is it affects our faith because in the same book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 1, faith, we are told, is a substance of things that are hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Have your prayers been infected with the poison of the microwave society? Can you sit and say, hey, in my life, hey, I notice, see, my prayer life is not, I pray, yes. I, I, I wake up in the morning, I pray in the car, I, I, I pray, I talk to God. But it is not in faith. It's just words. Are you only seeing the greatness of the things in this world, like the students in the class? Or can you see the greatness of the things of God that actually sometimes look very small in comparison? God's things sometimes are very small. Something as simple as Mike has come in to join the team. Looks miniature, is something small, but it is actually answer to prayer. Can you look at your life and say, hey, that's God. It is very true that when you think on a lot, what you think on a lot results to what you say a lot, and finally what you do a lot. Whatever we think on, whether you think is small or big, it's affecting your life. Whatever you think is great, whether it's the world and the things and the inventions of it, whether they're the ones giving us the answers that we see, that is okay. That is how we live our lives. It is true. Let me repeat that again. What you think on results on what you say, and then results on what you do. So even in prayer, it's the same. How we think of it is how we do it. But let me share some things. Allow me to look at the prayer of David from Psalms 3. I love this psalm. This is the psalm of David when Absalom, his son, tried to kill him. Can you imagine your boy, your kid, this one? Ah, yeah, this guy will kill him. Ah, there's no way now. Ah, you're, you're dying tomorrow. He's actually planned that thing very well to the point. He said, I'm going to kill my dad. Now, this is what David prays. I love this prayer. Psalms chapter 3. Lord, verse 1, how many are my foes? New International Version. How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Verse 4, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and I sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though the tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. Then he finishes beautifully. May your blessings be on your people. That prayer is powerful. One of the things I will ask you to do if you're looking for a chapter or a book in the scriptures that can help with the prayer life. You can start with the book of Psalms. You can pray through the book of Psalms. Just open it and pray whatever you read. And it's quite refreshing. I do it at least once a year. This year, not really. But I've been doing it for quite a bit. We see a couple of things from David's prayer. Number one, David acknowledges truthfully what is actually happening in his world. 
One of the things you must learn in prayer is you must be honest about what's actually going on. Like we said last week, God knows. He knows everything. So it is important when we approach him, when we are talking to him, to just open your heart clearly before him. David did this beautifully. If you have read the Psalms, which most of us have, you will see the sincerity of what he talks about in every Psalm that he wrote. Number two, David quickly counters it with what he knows about the Lord concerning the matter at hand. He always countered what he knew was going on with what he knows about the Lord concerning the matter. He says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep and awake again because the Lord sustains me. Yes, you've admitted what's going on, but you counter it with what you know about the Lord concerning the matter. David then speaks about the result of what happens of his knowledge of the Lord God. What happens, the result? I know he is a savior. He is the one who hears. What happens to that? He has heard my prayer. He always did that. Then finally, he finishes with pleading to this Lord God. From the Lord comes deliverance, he says. May your blessing, Jehovah, be on your people. We can clearly see the same pattern in the likes of Daniel. Daniel prayed the same. Hezekiah prayed the same. And many more. Like David, we see faith. Faith in what they say. This then means that going back to the pattern of actions, they must have spent a lot of time on the right things. David from the Psalms, you can tell he knew the Lord. He knew who he was talking to. Can you say you know him? Can you say you understand this God? None of us understand him fully, but have a, a form of understanding of who he is. Can you say that? Philippians 4 tells us that whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is what the Bible tells us. Paul warns us in Romans 12, 12, one of the hardest verses to sometimes talk about. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In order for us to increase our faith in prayer, the word of God that transforms our life must be our daily intake. Otherwise, what are you confessing to the issues that you're facing? What am I confessing? In the place of prayer when I go, dear God, today, what am I confessing? If the daily intake of God's word is not priority, then the confessions might not be true to what God desires. Like David and the rest of all, they understood well 
who this God was. And so their faith in prayer could be seen, and I dare say even felt in their prayers. When you read the Psalms, when you read about Daniel, when you read about the prayer of Asa, the book of Chronicles, who pleads to God when he sees the Ethiopians coming to destroy Israel, you can tell him, Jamana, you are Christ. They know God. Can you say that about your prayer? How you pray, like when you, even your first six lines of prayer, can you say, hey, imagine, God is there. That's what you're talking about today. Do you know this God of heaven? Do you look for him in the scriptures? He's the only one that can increase our faith in prayer. Nobody else. Not my wife, not my children, not you. God is the number one person on the list that can increase my faith in prayer. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing the message. NIV. And the message is heard through the word about Jesus Christ. Number two, like we all know, reading up on anything, just reading, is not enough. To really know God, to really know anything that we read of, we must do what we read says. James 1.22 admonishes us not only to just merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. It finishes very powerfully. Do what it says. Hey, and doing the word is hard. Doing what God says. Reading is easy. We've read books, novels. We can read and read. Doing them what God says, doing what you know you're supposed to do, one of the most difficult things out there. It took faith for you and I to come or to become children of God. It will take faith again to do what God is telling you to do. The more you exercise it, the more it grows. It's like a muscle. The more you exercise the faith of God, the more it will grow. Especially when it comes to the word. The word says, check your anger. It rests in the bosom of fools. Turn the other cheek. The more you have faith in that and exercise, the more the anger in your life subsides. Remember, we're in a battle between the spirit man inside you and the flesh. The flesh always wants to win. So who's winning? The more you exercise, the more it grows, and the less you do from God's command, the more stagnant your faith will become. If every time I'm faced with such a situation, I'm just reacting with the faith inside of me, it's doing nothing. It's just there, it's stagnant. Nothing will happen in my life. Number three, the word of God tells us in Psalms 34 verse eight, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. He goes on to say, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. It is very important to know that God's word can be tried out. You can try it for yourself. Taste and see that the word of God is good, that God is good. It can be proven to be either true or false. When you look back over your life, has he failed you? 
for example, according to his word? The answer is, the answer is, hmm. is there anything from the word of God that you can say is false, especially concerning you? I don't think so. I can confidently say to both these questions, no. Malachi 3.10. Even when you share them in the house of God, nowadays it sounds not seed, seed, seed. But just indulge me for a second. This is what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. But there may be food in my house. This is a part for today. Test me in this. The word of God, guys, can be tested. As a believer, you can test it. He says, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that there will be no, not be room enough to store. I manage, when I do this, you do the very exact same thing. No. Test me. Try. Taste and see if God is not good. I dare you to follow in on forgiveness. Some of us need to forgive heavily. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. I dare you to forgive that person, people, group that hurt you and see whether or not your life will not be full of forgiveness. Taste and see the goodness of God. The more we test the word of God in faith, the more it grows in our life. But we must know it. We must do it to be able to test it. Finally, Ecclesiastes 4.12, I love this, advises us that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. I love this because the New Living Translation version. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. One of the things I'm learning about prayer is sometimes it is very difficult, especially in issues when you're facing life, to do it alone. Yeah, it's hard. Hey, but when you're going through one, ooh, it's hard. No wonder some of us decided to get married. Praise the Lord. Mm. We were tired of getting cold, boy. Imagine you have single people, must say, those who are singles. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who you are. The same is for prayer. The same is for prayer. The one I've come to realize even in our marriage, the moment in my life when I'm really discouraged, she's not. She leaves me up in prayer. The moments when she is, for some reason, I'm not. So I lift her up in prayer, in encouragement, whatever that needs to be done. Our faith, for our faith to increase, it is important to pray with others. It is very important. I will encourage all the married guys in the room. Make your wife, make your husband, your spouse, your prayer partner. It is so important. Don't go having prayer partners outside the home, amen? It is even more important to get a prayer partner that knows the Lord. Imagine. Imagine that. As the word tells us, 
The power of two and of three is much more than the power of one. Especially on those times. Do you have prayer partner? Is your wife, your husband, the prayer partner? Someone that can lift you up in those moments. Luna Shindua, hey. This is a final way that we can increase our faith in prayer. How many of us actually believe, we are not asking for hands, that God will, because we all pray, will answer your prayer? If you can't answer yes to this, please, please, just consider the word of God. Consider maybe that you need to just take more of his word. Daily. Starts even with the devotion. Consider doing what the word of God says. And consider testing it to see whether it's true. And I bet you as you labor in this moment, I bet you, I kid you not, the faith in prayer in your life will increase. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road, off Airport North Road.